Amazing. Canada with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into more into our Bible study. Before we do, we have the 400-point question for our quiz, starting to get a little bit harder. And we've also got some text messages to read. So let's jump into it. What's our 400-pointer there, Shanna? 400-pointer is, how did God reveal himself as the true God after Elijah prayed for him to do so before a very wet altar in the contest against the false god Baal? And we have for our 400 points, we have the bargain book. So if you want the bargain book or you want to add up your points, either way, um, text in your answer. The question is, once again, how did God reveal himself as a true God after Elijah prayed for him to do so before a very wet altar in the contest against the false god Baal? And the number is 0491 064 669. Okay, that number one more time. 0491 064 669. Okay, so somebody, uh, Freco's texted through in relationship to sunflowers. I missed this one earlier on when we were talking about sunflowers. Uh, it says this, sunflowers follow the sun. Be careful where you plant them. They will face away to the north. Hmm. So I was thinking about this. If I plant them in my front yard, uh, my front yard faces east. They'll face the right way when the sun comes up. Then they'll face away from the road. For the rest of the day, and when by the time the sun goes down, they're going to be facing the wrong direction. Oh dear, that might be a bit of a problem. The things you've got to think about. Yes, thank you, Freco. Uh, very, very good observation there. We also have. Uh, let me just see here. Got a few different ones here. Okay. Here we go. Researchers found three quarters get a bedtime story. I'm surprised in a world where parents are so stressed that they actually do so well. Mm. Good news. Uh, me too. I thought that was a fantastic thing to hear. And let's see if we can get the other quarter up and running as well and get all Australians reading their children a bedtime story. Yes. What a plan. All right. Christian minister fired for views against sexual abuse of children. Don't these people realise that the laws will come back to hound them? They are actually going they are actually going against their own children. Mm. That's a fact, right? Well, this is a very interesting. This is actually a very interesting observation. The more I think about uh, what's just been said in the text here, um, breakdown of society always is going to be followed by higher levels of criminality. Mm. And so, if you're not using, if you're not bringing in laws to protect children from uh, fornication and you know homosexuality and so forth, sexual abuse in the juvenile justice system then uh, there is a high likelihood that because of your position on these things, society is then going to further break down, which is going to create a vicious cycle, which means that your children or your grandchildren are going to end up in that system and being abused by it. Mm. Which really um, highlights the issue of foresight, right? Yes. And how much are we going to think ahead for the next generation or for whatever's coming? Absolutely. That's a really good observation. Okay, uh, gaming. In reality, someone else is playing a game with them, demonic powers. You can guarantee that they will be visited by demons. While it can be used for good, atomic power has supposed to help humanity, but look what they use it for today, to make bombs that can destroy the whole world, the battle of the mind and souls. I had a personal experience many years ago. A devil tried to choke me to death while I was in bed when I decided to stop playing a game called The Haunted House. Oh, wow. Kid stuff, kid stuff in today's standards. God saved me that day. So mm. that's quite a powerful testimony that's there. That's a big testimony. In relationship to gaming and the dangers involved in gaming. Um, and, of course, we're seeing that the uh, the metaverse now has become just a massive hotbed for uh, pornography, sexual abuse, 
um, grooming of children mm. and uh, a, a, a abuse of you know particularly women and girls. It's not necessarily a safe place. And while yes, we are moving towards meta churches. This is the this is the technological world in which we are living in, and we need to adapt to it, and we need to learn how to use it for good and use it for evangelism, while also providing protection mm. uh, for people that are in that environment. Because the fact is that matter is not going to protect us. No one's going to be, no one's going to be there to protect us, but ourselves in these kinds of environments. And so we need to, and we need to figure out how to use this to bring people to a face-to-face environment mm. because that's where you can really, really share Jesus with people. Anyway, let's uh, let's dig into our Bible study. Yay. Bible study time? I think we've covered it. Oh, uh, one more thing we need. I knew there was something else we need to talk about. Okay, so we're down to our last question in the question of the day bank. We need to build that bank up a little bit more. So okay. send us through your questions for question of the day. Um, we have never had a question yet that we have not tackled on the Faith FM Breakfast Show. Sometimes they do lag a little bit behind when the question bank gets very full, but we always get there. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, Shanna, do you want to find that one for us, please? I would love to find that one. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Let's find out what the Bible says here. There's a very interesting way that this particular passage starts that we often don't actually stop and think about. Okay. So Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Who is the serpent? The devil. How do you know? Because of Revelation. (laughs) Yes, because of Revelation chapter 12. That's right. Absolutely. Okay, so let's flick over Revelation chapter 12 real quick and we will read that and confirm that Shanna is correct. Okay, so uh, we are introduced to the serpent here. And we know that this is another name for the devil and Satan. All right, mm-hmm. Shanna, go for it. What verse was it again? Revelation chapter 12. 7 to 9. 7 to 9. Okay, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was, who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Okay. That's pretty clear. Mm. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Sort of covers every base, right? It does. Uh, There's a problem with this though. Okay. What's the problem? When did Moses write the book of Genesis? Before Revelation. A long time before. About 1,400 years before Revelation. (laughs) It's kind of a while. So if Moses is writing 1,400 years before John writes the book of Revelation. How do people know who he's talking about? Mm. Yeah, and I think it's crazy, hey, but knowing that the Bible is inspired by the same author the whole way through yes. gives us some confidence, right, that, yeah, if it's inspired by the same author, then the definitions are probably going to be pretty similar. <laughs> they are. And what it does do is it gives an insight into the spiritual understanding of the ancients. Mm. Because often we look at people in the ancient past and they're like, well, how much did they really know about you know God and Satan and all that kind of stuff? Because they don't have those later books that give so much explanation that we have today. Yeah. And the reality is they had a tremendous amount of knowledge because Moses could simply write the serpent. And when and he wrote the serpent, everybody knew what he was talking about. Yeah. 
Uh, he didn't have to go into an explanation as to who the serpent was or what the serpent was or anything like that because this was general knowledge that was available to the whole world. Now, what is also interesting at this particular point of Earth's history is that outside of uh, the people of Israel, the serpent was universally worshipped. Mm. You can uh, go to Egypt, for instance, yeah. and what do you find You know, on the, on the, uh, the Egyptian pharaoh's headgear? You find a serpent. Mm. You can go to Africa. Who are they worshipping in Africa? The serpent. Go to Scandinavia. (laughs) They're worshipping the serpent. Um, You can go to the Americas. Mm. Here in Australia, the rainbow serpent. Anywhere you go, India, China. Of course, in China, the uh, serpent has feet because it's a dragon, but it's the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But Moses was a long time after Genesis as well. (coughs) Which is crazy, but because like of how information was handed down through the generations, right? Yes. They had this, this inherent knowledge, I guess, That's of right. this is what they meant. And so he's just explaining the words that he probably got told himself, right? That everybody knew and very everybody understood. Yeah. Okay, so here's the question that goes through my mind, is this. Outside of Israel, the, the serpent is almost universally worshipped, and in almost every culture where you find the serpent being worshipped around there, well, there's some minor ones where it wasn't, you know, because there's, you know, some of your South Pacific nations and whatnot where they don't actually have snakes. and mm. that, that It's not something they're familiar with. Yeah, it was something, information that was forgotten over time. Uh, but, you know, outside of those countries that don't have snakes, wherever snakes existed, snakes were worshipped. Yeah. But here's the really weird thing. Almost universally... Those snakes have wings. Mm. Ever noticed that? You have snakes with wings. You, you look at the Egyptian ones, for instance, and you'll have this snake with wings. Yeah. Could you imagine anything more ungainly and out of balance than a snake with wings? You know, it's just it's hard to imagine how that would even be practical in any way, shape or form. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So there's, there's some mythical creatures of the past that I can kind of imagine. You know, you, sometimes you see a horse with, with wings. I forget what they're called, um, some weird thing. But I'm not sure either. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not an area of mythology that has particularly interested me. Uh, but sometimes <laughs> you see a horse with wings. Uh, sometimes you see a human being with wings. Uh, the Bible describes angels as having wings. And you can kind of see how that, yeah, that could work mm. because you've got something to leverage against, I guess, but how does a snake have wings? So is a dragon an attempt to try and show what a snake could look like with wings? Possibly. Because when I read the description in Genesis about a snake with wings, I'm like, that's weird. I don't know what that's going to look like. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, actually, read for us uh, Isaiah chapter 27 and verse 1. Isaiah 27 verse 1. I've got another uh, description of it over here. And, you know, when you look at some of the uh, creatures that you know, archaeologists um, and scientists have discovered, you know, of dinosaurs and so forth, mm. they could be what, you know, they could fit some of the descriptions of dragons that we have seen in the past as well. Mm, true. Okay, so Isaiah 27 verse 1, it says, In that day the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. Okay, so the Bible speaks about the dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you you're reading what an ESV there? I am, yes. Okay, and the King James Version it uses the word dragon quite, you know, freely. Frequently. <laughs> um 
And so what is the Bible speaking about when it speaks about the dragon? Of course, this is a, a symbol in China. It's, 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 a, it's a creature that we have never seen. Mm. But where did that idea come from? Because, I mean, once again, you look at dinosaurs and you could say, well, maybe a dinosaur is a, you know, sort of got named a dragon over the years and that's what they're talking about when they're talking about dragons. But we haven't found any dinosaurs with wings yet. I mean, there's a few that they've found that um, they've attached wings to, mm. <laughs> very famously in National Geographic, no less. They put wings on the dinosaur, like, oh, we found one. Um, and you get, you know, some some definitely some prehistoric dinosaur kind of um, flying creatures. Mm. But these are not lizards with wings. No. They're not snakes with wings. And so the question that goes through my mind is this. If I was an ancient person and I was inventing a new god and I've gone, you know what, snakes are pretty cool, I'm going to invent the snake god. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to give it wings. Because it has more power? Where would that, where would that idea come from? Honestly, mm. if I was going to give anything wings, it would be anything but a snake. Yeah. And I think that's that's exactly the point of this, right, is that Satan is trying. Well, he's not trying, but he is. Well, he is trying. He's deceiving us, right? Yes. And so not just deceiving, but he wants to infiltrate his ideas subtly or not so subtly yes. to try and, yeah, impact our lives and change our lives to follow him, not to Absolutely. follow God. And so that's why, yeah, we see here that so many other people are following that same pattern, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Yes. that's where it's coming from, this subtleness of, oh, actually, it's not that bad. Oh, this is a cool idea. Oh, you should really get into this. Okay, so what is Satan actually? I mean, he's not actually a snake. Isn't he an angel that fell from heaven? He's an angel that fell from heaven. How does the Bible describe angels? They have wings, right? They do have wings. Okay, so then let's put this together. Let's say that you've got Satan, who is an angel, a being with wings. That's very different from a human being. Yep. Uh, But you've got Satan, who is an angel, who is a being with wings, and who comes in the form of a serpent, a snake. And if you're an ancient person and you know this story well and you decide, I'm going to rebel against God, okay, if I'm going to rebel against God, what are my options? (laughs) What are my options? Because this particular period of Earth's history, you've got God. Mm. It's like, okay, I want a powerful being. I want to serve a powerful being other than God because I want to rebel against God. Okay, there is another alternative out there that's going to be Satan. All right, so Satan is an angel with wings who comes in the form of a serpent. I know what I'll do. I will make a serpent. With wings. Wow, how crazy is that, hey? The parallels. So you wonder where the serpent with wings comes from? It comes from the Bible story. Mm. It comes from Genesis chapter 3. It comes from information that was handed down by our ancestors, or by, you know, by our ancestors, you know, verbally, by word of mouth. And it comes down as direct and open rebellion against God. So if you think about it, for instance, because you know in Babylon, ancient Babylon, they had the serpent with wings and uh, it was a major uh, god that they served. Uh, but when you've got Nimrod who starts you know, the original rebellion against God in Genesis chapter 10, I mean, that's yeah. very, very early in the book of Genesis. Uh, when he does that, Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth, their wives, mm. all those antediluvians that survived the flood are still alive. Yeah. So they're right in the narrative now? They can, he can, Nimrod can go to them and get an eyewitness testimony of, of the flood and the power of God. But instead? <laughs> he builds, when he builds the Tower of Babel, when you think about this for a moment, Nimrod's rebellion was very different from the kind of rebellion that we have today because we have 
kind of, if you want to call it, the benefit of time because mm. it's like so long ago, that's 4,000 years ago plus uh, that these things happen. It's like, well, maybe it happened this way and maybe it didn't. Yeah. Whereas it's more Nimrod, questionable. Nimrod didn't have that option. Nimrod, when he builds the Tower of Babel, he builds it because he recognises the power of God. Mm. It's not a denial of the power of God. It's a recognition of the power of God because he's like, I'm going to rebel against God. And last time people rebelled against God, God flooded the place. Yeah. And so I'm going to build a tower so I can get above the flood. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to rebel against God and I'm going to have a survival mechanism whereby I can survive my rebellion against God. So it's a tacit admission of the existence of God is why he builds the tower. Yeah, and I think it, it goes subtly though and it goes like it doesn't start with, oh, I'm going to go the full way or maybe it did, I don't know, but I feel like it always starts with one small thing and then the further it goes and the more you have to build a story around it, like it's with lies as well, right? You lie once, okay, now I need to like build this story and I need to like make, say another lie to like cover up my story of the past sort of thing and I feel like that's what Satan's doing to Nimrod there. It's like, okay, so I'm going to re- reject God here and I'm going to build a tower, okay, but I'm obviously not acknowledging God right now, so what am I going to put in that place instead? And you know what I mean? It has yes. to keep building. Yes. It can't just stay in one spot. That's right. And this is what you find is that ultimately when you study the ancient religions of the past, there really are only two gods. Mm. Who do you serve? <laughs> there, are just, there is just two, and they come, and you know, Satan comes in so many different formats, but every single one of those formats is a format of Satan and a representation of Satan in one way or another. Yeah, and he's trying to find a subtle way to infiltrate. He's not trying to hide that. (laughs) No, no, that's right. And so that brings us back to our story here in Genesis chapter 2 where the Bible says, the serpent. And uh, when Moses writes that down, he's like, we all, he's not explaining who the serpent is. He's not like, you know, the serpent that, uh, well, the serpent was actually a symbol of Satan. No, he's not saying that. He just says the serpent because everybody knows. Everyone knows what that means. Everybody knows what that means. Yeah, absolutely. So we need to talk about uh, why he uses the serpent, how Satan uses the serpent and how we can be protected from it. But before we go there, let me ask, uh, what's your what's your feeling about snakes, Shanna? I, oh, I literally that? hate snakes. <laughs> like, it's so bad. Like, I remember I was at a zoo in Rockhampton. It's like just a free zoo you can walk through. And I was walking past, and there was this, like, glass wall. And I looked next to me, and there's this massive snake in there. I literally jumped and screamed. <laughs> I'm like, it's behind glass. Why am I scared of this? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have friends that really like snakes, though? Um. Not really. Okay. So when I was younger, I actually got bitten by a snake, by a brown snake. And so I've kind of been really, really scared of them ever since. Yeah, so. that'll do it. That <laughs> yeah. will absolutely do it. When, uh, when, when my wife came to Australia, she had altogether too lack of a fear of snakes oh. because American snakes are not as scary as Australian snakes. No, they really are. And I had to teach her, no, that's a brown snake. You don't go anywhere. Because a brown snake looks pretty benign, honestly, compared to... Oh, just, it, I just can't deal. <laughs> yeah, but compared to some massive cobra or something or other, yeah. it looks lame. Mm. You know, it doesn't look like one of the most venomous snakes on the planet. And then when I got bit by, it was like this small this small baby snake. <laughs> I'm like, what even are you doing to me? How long did, uh, how long did you take to recover? Um, yeah, it was okay. Like, it didn't, like fully get its fangs in mm-hmm. so it just scraped me apparently this is what the doctor was saying um but yeah i was in like i went to hospital the next day pretty well so yeah 
But it, it was fine. I recovered just fine. But I did not appreciate getting a snake book present after that from my dad. Oh! <laughs> I'm just like, I really don't like this right now. I don't like slimy, scaly things. I can't deal. <laughs> and so this is the this is the good thing about the brown snake is it does have very small fangs. Yes. Which is why it looks lame mm-hmm. and looks like nothing. And, you know, my wife uh, was struck by a brown snake and it hit her on the shoe. That's not good. And, you know, the fangs didn't penetrate the shoe and so there was nothing that came of it. But she's... Pretty much had a snake phobia ever since. She can very I much relate to you. <laughs> Both of you guys developed a snake phobia after that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're here on Faith FM and uh, we are about to get into uh, back into our Bible study. Before we do, the 500-point question for the quiz. 500-point question. Okay, this is the hardest question of the day. What second wife of Elkina? Elkana? Elkana. Elkana. Elkana, that's right. Of Elkana provoked his other wife, Hannah, over her barrenness. Okay. And for that, we are going to get the book of the day. And the book of the day today is, I had it right in front of me a second ago. Here we go. The Table I Long For by Sean Brace. It's really book. It's a really good book that you are going to want to get. It's called, it's, the tagline is, Learn to Participate in the Mission and Family of God. So it's really just, yeah questioning the best way to participate in that. Okay, so that question really cool. and number one last time. Question is, what second wife of Elkanah provoked his other wife, Hannah, over her barrenness? And the number is 0491-064-669. Okay, if you know, I don't know the answer to that one myself off the top of my head. I'm trying to think about it right now. But anyway, <laughs> um, let's go back to our Bible study. And we have been talking about serpents, which has been uh, just about um, tipping Shanna across the, the edge into a panic attack over here. <laughs> Um, We're coming back of, round. It's okay. All kinds of all kinds of um, anxiety, but God is good. Amen. All right, let's let's um, let's. I was going to say let's have snake stories this morning, but maybe let's not. <laughs> <coughs> let's read this story in the Bible and see what lessons we can learn from it. Um, let's read verse one and again, and also verse two this time from Genesis chapter three. Okay, Genesis chapter three, verses one and two, and it says, "Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden?" And the woman said to the serpent, "We may eat of." the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the trees that is in the midst of the garden. Neither sh- neither shall you touch it lest you die. Okay, so when Satan comes along here at this particular point, and this is really is his one big shot mm-hmm. at gaining a foothold somewhere in the universe. So he's put a lot of thought into this and, you know, he's an incredibly superior being. Um, of course, you know, on the other hand, God is like, yeah, you can come down to planet Earth. You can give, you know, human beings freedom of choice. Um, it's a big planet. You can have one tree, mm-hmm. yeah, just just one tree on on the planet. That's it. That's not very much. It's not very much. But he's like, I'm going to take hold of this. I'm going to do the most I can. <laughs> you know, and it kind of it kind of makes me think. You know, let's say that which wouldn't have happened, but let's say that the serpent had stayed. Sorry, the tree of knowledge of good and evil had stayed, and Satan had stayed there. Human nature being what it is these days, you know, if that was the if that was what our world was like these days, that Satan only with, with the human nature that we have right now, that mm. Satan only had access to one tree on the entire planet. There would be no grass around that tree. <laughs> Why? Because we'd all go there. Because every human being on the planet, it would be the planet's number one pilgrimage destination, uh, tourist attraction that there is. True. But surely it couldn't have lasted that long. No, it wouldn't have done. 
And of course, because if he's that subtle and that crafty, I'm surely would he got someone at some point, right? Well, this is an interesting question because you know there's indication that he he takes a third of the stars from heaven. Stars in the Bible are symbol of angels. Mm. He deceived a third of the angels of heaven, then that's a pretty big chunk right there. He's actually a pretty good leader. He yes. knows how to rally people and cast vision. And <laughs> he's the most powerful creature that God ever created. Yeah. And we need to never underestimate Satan and mm. think of him as being, you know, lesser than us. He is far more powerful than we, what we are. Mm. But it's also interesting to look at his approach right here because he doesn't just come straight out and say, oh, hey, Eve, God is wrong. <laughs> I don't think I would have taken that either. I was like, I trust God. What are you saying? Exactly. It would have brought alarm bells up straight away. It would have brought alarm bells up. But he starts a conversation, doesn't he? Mm. He's like, oh, I'm here in this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Has God said, and then he quotes something that God has said. God has said. Kind of. Twists a little bit. (laughs) Adds adds his own little twist to it, but it demonstrates a knowledge of the word of God. Yeah. He knows what God has said. He's pretty familiar with God's way of running running things, right? (laughs) That's right. And so God, you know, has obviously... Into Adam and Eve, and you know, beware of deception. Mm-hmm. Don't don't go near the tree. Um, don't touch it. Anything anything like that. Satan is going to try and trip you up, and uh, you can kind of imagine, you know, as a human being, we we always look for the bad guy. As you know, it's, it's like you know, these days with the Antichrist, it just does my head in how you know Christians know that there's. Uh, an Antichrist who is very, very active at the end of time, active mm. all the way down through time, but very active at the end of time. And so they always pick the bad guy. <laughs> you know, it's it's like, oh, it must be Putin right now. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Putin a few months ago, but now that he's a bad guy, it's like, oh, definitely Putin. Yeah, it's funny because like Antichrist, you think it would be the opposite of Christ, right? <laughs> but not necessarily opposite. It's something that's trying to be in place of. <laughs> yes, that's right. And... Uh, so, and as Christians, we make fools out of ourselves because we assume that the, the Antichrist is going to look like a bad guy. No, the Antichrist is not going to look like a bad guy. Mm. Antichrist is going to look like a good guy. Antichrist is going to do a lot of good things. Yeah. Antichrist is going to quote, quote the word of God because Satan quotes the word of God. Mm. And this is exactly what you've got Satan doing right here. He's quoting the word of God, you know, and he's, he's throwing a question. He's, he's taking God's word and, and wording it as a question. Yeah. But he's Are you familiar. really sure? <laughs> he is familiar with the Word of God. And this is a pattern that you find in the Bible. Um, I can see you flicking to um, somewhere there. What have you got in mind that you'd like to share with us there, Shanna? Yes, I was just thinking along those lines is like the the question that he's asking here is not just like singular to Genesis. And I feel like it comes up over and over again. I was just reading this morning in James um, about that whole idea as well of um, it's in chapter one and I'm almost there, but I'm um, just talking about like, what is God's character? And it's like, God does not tempt anyone with evil, neither he tempts anyone. And he, it talks about every person is tempted when he's lured and enticed away by his own desire. And then desire when it's conceived brings birth to sin and similarly is fully grown, brings forth death, which is, um, you know, play on the desire part, but clearly it goes next. Do not be deceived. My beloved brothers, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And yeah, he's just trying to bring back around, like, don't be deceived. Like, this is God's character. And this is exactly what Satan is pulling on here. What is God's character? I don't think he's really what he was saying he is. And this is this is where, you know, James points out that if it is good, mm. it comes from God. Yeah. If it is not good, sorry, if, if it is good, God will give it to you. Yeah. If it is not good, he will withhold it from you. Mm-hmm. And so we find this in so many things in our life and in our experiences that, 
Every time we come up to something that God says don't, it's for a reason. It's for our good because he loves us. <laughs> he wants the best for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely right there. And we look at it and go, oh, yeah, but it looks so good. And that'll make <laughs> from me. From our perspective, from yeah. our side of the fence. <laughs> that'll make me happy. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. No. No. It's never going to. Never going to be amazing. Never going to make you happy. Okay, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 6. Let's read this one over here. And let's see how familiar Satan is with the Word of God. Is Satan familiar with the Word of God all the way through? He was certainly familiar with it there in the Garden of Eden. Didn't really lose his skills, right? <laughs> Matthew nope. 4 and verse 6, and it says, And he said to, the, to him, If you are the... Wait, wait, wait. Who's he and who's him? Okay, let's work that out. So Jesus is in the wilderness, correct? Yes. Bit of context. So Jesus yes. is in the wilderness, and he's being tempted of the devil, we're told, yes. which is Satan, which yes. is the same person we're reading about as a serpent in Genesis. That's right. So now so he, we have the he and hims. <laughs> he would be Satan. Yeah. And him would be Jesus. Yes, correct. So Satan says to Jesus. Yeah. So Satan says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest, they, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Does the Bible say that? Yes, Psalms 91, right? It does. So there's a promise of the Bible. So Satan's like, okay, if you don't believe the Bible, then that's a sin. Mm. So I'm going to get you caught in. So you need to jump off here to prove that you believe in the Bible because if you don't believe in the Bible, then then, then you're sinning. Yeah. Let's try and twist it and make it, you know. Uh-huh. And this is how Satan works. He knows the Bible inside out, back to front and upside down, and he will try and quote it to his benefit whenever he can. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to do questions today. Before we do, we have answers for the quiz. Shanna, what have you got for us? So, hey, hey, guys. For those who have been following along with the quiz, we have our answer time. So, for the 100-point question, we have the answer of gold as the precious metal that was in Proverbs compared to the value of wisdom. So, gold is compared to the value of wisdom. Um, question number two, the 200 point quick question, the answer was wonders. So that was a confusing one with what was paired with the word signs <laughs> to describe the miraculous doings of the apostles after Pentecost. That was wonders who helped, um, in the 300 point one, who helped Moses figure out a better system for dividing up the responsibilities. That was Jethro, his father-in-law and 400 points. The answer was for how did God reveal himself as a true prophet of God after Elijah prayed for him to do so at the very word altar. He burned up the altar and licked up the water in the ditch. How cool is that? And the fifth question, the 500-point question was, the answer was Penina, what the second wife of Elkanah, who provoked his other wife, Hannah, over her barrenness. So I don't know who got those right, but I hope you guys did get them right because there's some pretty cool um Pretty cool. Answers right there. Questions gifts. right there. Answers, and gifts, gifts, all of them all together. So there we go. Question of the day. Okay, so question for today is why if the Israelites acknowledged having a king was wrong, did they still go through with anointing Saul and making him king? Okay, so this is a really interesting uh, question right here. Uh, the Bible basically gives the history of how this took place. Uh, the Bible talks about how Samuel was growing old, how his children, his sons, 
uh, or the the elders come and they say, well, your sons don't follow you, you know, and they don't follow God, and you know that's one of the sad things is that often you know children all have their own power of choice, yeah, and sometimes children do their own thing, and they had wandered away from God, and so we need to have a king. <laughs> so this is a really bizarre thing that the Israelites are asking for because. When you look back through the history of the judges, when had the judges ever passed their position from them to their children? You know, if, know. If, you, if you if you look at through the list of the judges, um, and I had a list here. Yeah, Samson was not the son of Abdon. Abdon was not the son of Elon. Mm. Elon was not the son of Ibzan. Jephthah, Ibzan was not the son of Jephthah. Jephthah was not the son of Jair. Uh, Jair was not the son of Tola. Gideon was not the son of Deborah. Shamgar was not the son of Ehud. Uh, Ehud was not the son of Othniel. This was not something that had ever happened before. Why would they be thinking it would happen when Samuel died? Why were they panicking like, oh, no, Samuel's getting old. Samuel's going to die. He doesn't have any descendants to continue his work because the ju- the work of being a judge had never passed to the descendants in the past. Wow. So it was a lack of faith on their part? It was a tremendous lack of faith on their part, and it was also a situation. it was also a situation that outlines the benefit of the judge's system over the king's system mm. because a judge is not hereditary. Yep. A judge is somebody who is there because of their faith in God yep. and their morality and their leadership. And so Israel had been led by people who were qualified rather than born to the position. Very, very different from the nations that were round about them. But at this particular point, they come and they say, well, your sons don't follow you, so we need to have a king. Well, that's not actually an excuse because that doesn't make any sense. And so then they say, ah, so that we can be like the nations that are around us. We want to be like everybody else. We're feeling the peer pressure here. They're in panic mode and they're trying to figure out a solution. (laughs) Yeah, kind of that's how it's going. And so Samuel's like, okay, this is a really bad idea. And Samuel goes through and he lists all of the reasons why this is a bad idea. Um, and if we look here in verse 7, the Bible says, The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say unto you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Um, then you go on down there for a little bit further, and uh, Samuel says in verse 11, He said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to to uh, till his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and his instruments of chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants. And he will take your sheep and... And you shall cry out in that day because of your king which you have chosen you and the Lord will not hear you in that day. And here's the weird verse. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and said, No, but we will have a king over us. <laughs> this is really bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's impossible to understand that they would do something that they knew would be damaging to themselves. Except that, except that, how many times have you done something that you knew was wrong and that you knew would not have a good outcome and that you knew would was against the word of God? Think about that for a moment. Let's put ourselves in those shoes and we have 
all been there. So we look at the Israelites and like, that was weird, that was bizarre. How could they possibly do that when they're told in such plain language, God says, don't do it? How many things there, how many times are there things that we have done where God said, don't do it? Yeah. We're actually more like them than we think, right? And we did it. There's not any anything weird about this at all. This is actually human nature mm, coming through right there. This is a story of human nature right there, and, and maybe we do it on a more minor level. The principle is still exactly the same. Uh, as we go through this day, I just want to always remind you guys to spend some personal time with Jesus, and of course remember to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.